What's up, guys? This is Eddie from Your Voice to the World podcast. Um, super excited about this week's episode. Uh, I want to first start off and thank everyone for leaving the reviews and uh, uh, just being a part of this community, participating in the private Facebook group. It's always a blast and it's fun to, to grow together. So I appreciate you and uh, uh, let's keep it going. Uh, this week's episode particularly I found useful with regard to leadership. And not so much, uh, or not necessarily from a team standpoint, but also individual leadership, right? Um, guiding oneself to success. There's a lot of great stuff in here that will help you, um, you know, whether you are a, a creator, whether you're a, a solopreneur, whether you have a small team or a large team, uh, look at the world in a way that helps you step forward, helps you motivate and inspire those around you. Uh, to do some incredible stuff. So enjoy it. Um, at the end, Steve leaves a number to call and, and um, you know, share your thoughts, ask any questions. Um, if you are so inclined, feel free to do that. We love hearing from you and uh, let's make it happen. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Welcome to your voice to the world. I'm Eddie Pinero, speaker, filmmaker, and storyteller, teaming up with Terrence McMahon, retired CEO and best-selling author. Having built multi-million dollar businesses and created lifestyle brands enjoyed by millions around the world, we've established a blueprint to do more and become more. Now we're joining forces to inspire you to share your voice and build the business and lifestyle you've always dreamed of. Welcome to Your Voice to the World. I'm Eddie Panero. I'm Terrence McMahon. And we help you share your voice. And build your business. And uh, per usual, we got a good one coming up this week. A Navy SEAL uh, book by Jocko. I always loved to uh, look from the outside at what life of a SEAL is like. And every single time I do, I, I have a higher appreciation. But this is extreme ownership. Uh, how the U.S. Navy SEALs lead and win. And these are two guys that wrote a book. They served for our country. They went to the highest level of achievement in, in the Navy, uh, the SEAL team, which is arguably some of the toughest training on earth. They went and served. They kicked ass. They came back and turned what they did in combat into a business model for leadership and accountability. Yeah, really, really cool how they did that. Yeah. Connected the dots. Did you, did you agree with me when I said it like sneaks up as... Uh, an incredible book. Like I, I knew it was going to be entertaining, but I, it ended up being. I think the simplicity of it. It ended up being one of the best books on leadership I've ever read. It it was. A, I've had this book for a long time, and I've been meaning to read it. I had no no reason to read it really because I, <laughs> I, I keep we keep well we keep getting new books, and each book gets me onto a different book. So I'm pushes hung, it back. Yeah, I got hung up in evolution for like three books, four books with Harari. I got two or three of his books and then I went into Will Durant and you know, once you get there, it's a rabbit hole you don't want to come out of. So now I'm in leadership, which I love. I enjoy leadership. I enjoy the concept of leadership and ownership. You know, I li I'm a living proof that you got to own what you've done to yourself and you know, if I didn't own it, I'd be sitting there blaming the world for all the things that happened to me badly. I'd have no opportunity to do better. Speaking of evolution, yeah, I wouldn't hate going back to do David Buss. Oh, uh, evolutionary psychology, that one? Yeah, well, he's got a textbook, and then... I have it. <laughs> I have it right behind you. Do you? Oh, yeah. Somewhere back there. Yeah. I think, I think we're officially nerds, though, because, you know, you're not even a very... I don't drink at all. You, don't, you barely drink. Steve don't drink at all. We stay inside <laughs> on Friday nights, right? We read books. Uh, we're officially... What do they call yeah. that? Nerd? Uh, nerdy yeah. might be. <laughs> I hate to say it. Nerdy <laughs> might be. It's winning it. Uh, but this book, this book talks about... Everyone works for a nerd, right? <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is a book that they wrote in three parts. Uh, one of them was about winning the war within, which I think speaks to some of the concepts of ownership. Mm -hmm. And there's a second part about um, the rules of engagement. I think they call it the principles of combat on the ground. And they have a sustaining victory. It's the third, the third part of it. And they break it down into a series of stories about things that happened and you know things they, they won at, things they lost at and owned and put, created systems yeah. uh, or reverted back to systems they were taught in their training to win. Yeah, that's um, really cool. How yeah. the hell they did that? I loved it. Winning the war within. 
sounds a lot like winning your world within. Just saying. Wow. Just saying. You should see if they'll give you a hashtag. I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, well, most of the battles are fought between the ears. Yeah. Yeah. You don't believe in yourself. You don't. Uh, you don't accept responsibility. You blame others. You don't hope. Uh, all are part of the first. You know, part of the book. So he opens yeah. it up, right? Yeah. Mindset, ownership. Yeah, there's a major screw up early on in the book where they they actually fired on um, their own troops. It's called the Blue on Blue, and it's a big deal. You know, if you fire and, and wound, there was a couple of wounded, and a lot of things could have been pointed to. You know, he was the leader, so he could have, he could have done that, and he owned it. He yeah. said, "Nope, my responsibility." He owned it down, and he owned it up. He owned it to everybody. Yeah. You know, he managed that. That uh, so he took on the very real possibility he could get fired for owning something. So. It was really cool the way he broke it down. Yeah. He's like, I'm si- he's sitting there, and you know the people above him are like, I want to know who. I mean, it's a really big deal in the military. I want to know why. I want to know X, Y, Z. Yeah. And uh, he's like, well, he's looking at it like, there's a mistake here, but it's not his fault. It's not his fault. And it dawns on him, it's my fault. It's right. my fault. I'm in charge. And yeah, there might have been mistakes, but, and uh, you know, like we, like we were talking about earlier, the, the beauty in that is... Mm-hmm. You own it. Like, you can fix it. Right. You know? And so he says to these guys in the meeting, you know, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's my fault. And what that allows him to do is say, and I will never let this happen again. Right. Uh, you can start working on solving the problem rather than trying to prove who's responsible for it. Exactly. Or, or you know, the commanders don't have to, to build a case against you. The, the army uh, or their, the subordinates don't have to, to look at, you know, who was out of place at what time he owned it. And then they started working on a solution so it wouldn't happen again. That actual blue on blue came up two or three more times in the book. Right. You know, it's, it, you know where they almost fired on their, their own. Uh, and, and Chris Kyle was one of the snipers that was holding a trigger to fire on someone they thought was an Iraqi sniper in another building, and they ended up, you know, through their process, determining it, that that was also a blue on blue. They learned and they executed, implemented. Yeah, because you know, after that, he mm-hmm. went down and, and made sure every single person was better equipped to do their job. You know, to eliminate the likelihood of, of that happening again. Right. Um, you know what I like about the book, and and you know, I like about the principles in the book in combat are so relatable to business and they got a unique way of writing this book because they do point counterpoint. Um, they do, they talk about the story and the, and, and then they, then they actually isolate the principle and then they say principle and business. Cause these two guys built a very big consulting business out yeah. of their military background and the strategies that they learned. Um, and they, they, they use these principles in business to, to do the same exact thing that they would do if they were trying to get a, you know, an objective or capture a terrorist or take out a, a communication tower. It's exactly the same. They work exactly backwards from the result. Yeah. Um, awesome. And that's what's amazing. Battlefield, business, uh, you know, with the team, sports, mm-hmm. alone, creating, writing. I mean, these concepts, uh, they just, they're the same everywhere. They just wear, whoops, they just wear different, mm-hmm. you know, externalities. Right. But the, the root of them, and that's what was so cool to see. It's like these are fundamental principles. If you own it, you control it. If you lead, you know, you'll win. Your team will win if you're effective at what you do. You know, if yeah. you believe, the people around you believe, um, they'll have buy-in and you'll ultimately be more successful. Uh, and, and the inverse of that is true, too. If they don't believe, you have no shot. Exactly. Or if they, haven't, they don't know why you're asking them to do something, especially if it's a little, a little weird or a little... You know, inconvenient to them, which people don't like to do. You got to tell them why, and then you got to win them, like uh, Carnegie, win them to your way of thinking. And you got to do that up and down. You can't just like dictate orders and assume they're going to sprinkle on those ears and they're going to be welcome. Leadership's about influencing people, which means to flow into, influere, to flow into your idea. Um, and that's all, that's all, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Great. Cool creating that colin powell has a cool quote he's like if people want to follow you you know if if simply for sheer curiosity you know you're a good leader um Mm -hmm. will you will you look that up steve i'd be really curious that i I might be butchering that powell powell also uh one of my favorite 
because uh, later in the book, they talks about the dichotomies in the world, like extreme ownership. Can that the dichotomy is could it be too much? Could you own things too much for no one else ever owns anything? But Powell talked about um, information and decision making and uh, choices. He says when you have eighty percent of the information, you're never going to have a hundred. Yeah, go with your gut. I've been using that for twenty five years. But leadership is empowering people, though, right? Like, so that would never, that would, like, there's no, I almost feel like there's no downside to ownership because it's not mm. like you're falling on a sword and that's it. Like, you falling on the sword, you taking responsibility means you're equipping the people around you to kick ass and do what they do well so that everyone wins, you know? Right. He, he owned the first problem. He owned it. He says, I'm going to take this one for everybody. I don't know what happened. I wasn't there. But either one of two <laughs> things happened. <laughs> either it really was him or it really wasn't. He just owned it. So he can take go to he could protect his his team right. from the from the from the people that would fire maybe a valuable team member who maybe did screw up and he could he could go to the team member that maybe he knew screwed up and said, "Listen, you made a mistake. I mustn't have trained you correctly. And this is what we're going to do so we're both being better tomorrow than we are today. Right. And that's leadership in its best. Uh, bad leadership would be, take him. He did it. Don't fire me. Fire him right. or her. Um, you know, in the dichotomy of being like a dictatorial leader and being too nice has to do with that relationship you have with your ego. You know, there's mm. a part in there that says, check your ego. Sometimes you got to give other people credit for things. Yeah. Great leaders don't necessarily uh, stand on the podium and take the award. George Washington always gave his generals credit. Yeah. Wow. Colin Powell, he says, uh, you know you're a good leader when people follow you out of curiosity. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Because it's like, it's the, it's the epitome of influencing. Right. Making them believe you. Steve Jobs, right? Being so immersed in the, the idea of what you're building that they, they right. want to be a part of it, um, you know, versus, to your point, dictating down. That's... Yeah. You gotta know why. They gotta believe. The famous Kennedy speech when he went to Rice University and he out of thin air really, you know, the space I guess the Russians just put you know, they had Sputnik, they launched Sputnik, and then Kennedy's like, Hey, we're gonna put a man on the moon. And then he created this visualization. He 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 must have had a great writer because they visualized we're gonna build a ship out of metals that don't exist yet. We're gonna put rocket engines in this ship four hundred more times powerful than anything else that's ever been built. And we're going to have survival tools on there that they can not only go to the moon, but they're going to get out of it and get on the moon, get back in and return safely to Earth. And we're going to do it within 10 years mm. by the end of the decade. And he went and pitched it to the country, rallied influence. And he flowed the idea and then went and asked Congress for the money and got it. There's some persuasion right yeah, there. Yeah. He owned that project. Yeah. All right. So that, boom. Is yeah, winning the war, winning the war within, and then what you know when you're when you now you got to go win the war, you got block and tackle, laws of combat. Yeah, you know, they got four um, four things they they do to 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 engage the enemy. It's like a rules of engagement type thing. Um, and then one concept I love is the covering and the moving. Mm. You know, like that that in life I think is is something that that uh, you know what does it mean? I, I didn't know it early on. Um, in the in the book, they're talking about. They were pinned down, and they and they they just trying to figure out. And I think they actually figured out how to get out on their own, and they did it. You know, they were covering and moving themselves. They'd, one of the group would cover while they advance, and they would kind of leapfrog their way out of it. And he got he got back, and the and the commander ripped him. He said, right. "You should have used the other SEAL team that was on another building. You guys could have covered your bulls and got both teams out of there." Right. Which I thought was a pretty cool concept. Went on their own and, and ended up putting lives at risk. You know, right. luckily it worked out, but. Um, you know, in our world, we, we do that all the time. We have to cover each other. Friends. Yeah. Friends, yeah. Got to have each other's they back. They call it your six. That's my military Got to protect the six. My friends are in the military. It's my six. I got your six. Well, you go out there and do something crazy, right? Like quit your job, move to Florida, and start a YouTube channel, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> something like that. <laughs> I'm sure all your friends were like, oh, Eddie's doing a great job. But like half of them probably didn't cover you. Right. Right. While you're moving, you're out there moving. They got to cover you, and that's that's uh, that's it. Like, Best what ones do, you, do reciprocal, right? Yeah, they 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 got you back. Uh, and in business, you have um, the concept of you know you have salespeople, and you have people that that build and manage the product. 
those are all those are two different jobs, but neither one can exist without each other. Right. right. Uh, that talks about uh, the strategy and you know how do you, how are you going to get your result. Mm. I think it's heavily related to the strategy, which moves into the idea of, of sort of simplification, mm-hmm. right? Having an idea and everything. I feel like we unnecessarily make things convoluted and complex when it's like, if you really break things down, it's, it's what, what you need to do is simple. It's the, uh, it's the added minutia that probably needs to be cut away anyway. Right. Um, but that's a, that was a big theme in the book that I'm like, you know, that's really prevalent to what we do, what everyone does. Everything can be simpler. I was thinking about that actually, as I read this book with simplify, you know, like why do you have certain things? He, he asked the question why a lot. So I added the why mm-hmm. and the simple thing together. Like why do we have things like if you're a business, why would you want to do a Twitter account? Like why does it, why do we even have it? Right. Do, you know, do I want to just be, be rabbling with somebody all day long or why do I have an Instagram account or why do we have, you why like do the, we, yeah, why do we have this podcast? Like be more methodical, you mean? And like, yeah, what's we, what's the end result? I mean, we when we started this podcast, we you know what, to make it simple, we are one offing, helping people that we know through the periphery of our travels, helping them be better business owners and getting results. And all of a sudden, we're like, wow, we're getting lots of good positive feedback. So we made a podcast. This, you know, this podcast is about sharing your voice and building your business. Right. Right. And we have a consulting business that helps people do that at a higher level of learning. This is free, ungated. You know, you don't have to do anything. And the gated things we do, we do it um, for fee. But that's the simplicity. If you want to, you know, monetize an idea or make your idea more simple and more people buy it and share your voice at a larger scale, that's the simplicity of it. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, all these, some people, they come to me, they don't know what the hell they want to do. Social media can convolute things. It really can. They get tied up. I think you're the one who told me about millennials, right? They want to, they want status more than they want. For the first time in the history of the United States, <laughs> status more than than income. Right. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I remember on that that whiteboard when we had that epiphany, we drew our cake, right? Because right? we're like, all right, you we can, you know, this is what two three months ago we're trying to come up with a business plan, mm-hmm. and it was, you know, we had one off consulting here and there, some court, and we're like, no, mastermind. Um, consulting, digital courses, podcasts. I'm like, this is the plan. Right. This is what we're going to do. Right. And because of that, we're able to, you know, put ourselves uh, out there the right way, mm-hmm. match with the right clients, say no to what we needed to say no to, and align ourselves for success. Mm-hmm. And it's not like it's sudden. I mean, that was like, or, or gradual, that was like a sudden <laughs> shift right. in momentum simply because we pushed away the things that we didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. So we're able to focus on good stuff they you know? they talk about um the, you know the simplicity of a, of a mission mm-hmm. like a lot of their mission there was it was all terrorists when they were there a lot in that that particular town so a lot of times it was like oh we found out there's a terrorist in that building go get them either kill them or bring them back right right that was what they called the commander's intent right, right so right. with that that ripple effect, it, you know, they can tell Jocko and Leaf, you know, this is what we got to get that guy in that building, go get him, come back safely if you can. Right. Dead or with, have that person with you. Right. And they have a whole, they, then they take that order, that intent, you know, it's called, it's, I think they call it decentralized command. Instead of them telling them, not only are you going to drive a tank there, you're going to bring nine people, you're going to bring one machine gun, one sniper. They didn't do that. They told Jocko and Leaf, go get that terrorist, either kill them or bring them back. Right, you figure it out with your team, and then that was also part of a process where they would figure it out with their subordinates. The teams only work in a team of four or five, I guess maybe six. Um, there might be a hundred people in a mission, so it's all these sub leaders that are empowered, but they know the intent, um, and they have a process to plan things out. Yeah, you know, and that's what I took away most from 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 it. Where I think I would have benefited from this if I had read this book. You know, 25 years ago, I would have been a leader in the right way rather than a leader in the wrong way. My baseball coach t- told me I was a leader in the wrong way as I used to recruit people to go out party. And instead of going to the weight room and, and, and showing up early, we were showing up late and kind of hung over. Uh, that's not good leadership. But to be the right way leader, you, you plan, you allocate assets, you get the most out of people. You, you also look at uh, things that could go wrong. Right. Contingencies, right, right. right? What do you say? The, the enemy gets a vote here too, you know. 
right when we have a plan that's that's part of the battle that's arguably one of the most important things it's like yeah you can make your plan what's your what's your mike tyson quote everybody has it was buster, <laughs> buster mathis said I'm not, i got a plan for mike tyson and mike tyson said and this guy hasn't said a lot of things although i love mike i have his boxing gloves in my room he said everybody has a plan until i punch him in the face right <laughs> exactly. mike tyson has a vote in your plan so, uh, so 21 straight times people got knocked out getting in the ring with them life's about adjusting you know you but can, it, oh good my point being is there, if there's one thing you're going to take away from this book, it'll be these two things. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, the first thing is own it. The second thing is there's a checklist that they have for planning a mission. Mm-hmm. Write down. It's a beautiful checklist. It's 11, 11 points. Uh, everything from planning it to allocating resources to monitoring your, your progress to briefing and then debriefing. Mm. Something I think we're starting to learn from when we do something, we spend money on something to look at whether it worked, what went wrong, what went right, what was the win, what was the loss, what was the lesson, and then debrief. Right. Right. Let's learn from it. Which is important. A lot of people skip that step. Yeah. You got to analyze after, after, you know, everything you do. Anytime you exert energy, time, effort into something, what worked, what didn't, let's eliminate what didn't, let's double down on what does, and that's where you get that you know, the exponential growth. Right. You don't see a lot of losses on social media, do you? Uh, they're hidden. Fifth place. Yeah, they're <laughs> hidden. The fifth place at the, uh, the fitness show slips under the cracks. <laughs> Goalie for the dart team. Right, right. <laughs> you don't uh, see that a lot because a lot of people don't want to draw attention to things they've done bad. They don't want to own, own it and say, you know, I didn't prepare or I had the wrong equipment or the wrong team or I followed the wrong person and I had the wrong strategy. Right. Instead, of, you, ever, you ever see it's like, hey, I made a huge mistake in my life. Right, I did this wrong. I can tell. I could, if you guys had two hours, I can tell you all the things I did wrong. <laughs> the wrong people, the wrong places, the wrong strategy. I, I, I lived up to the wrong reputation, yeah. and all of a sudden, my results were almost fatal. You don't have a lot of people out there owning that and saying, "If that's you and you're doing these things, there's a path you're going down. You might want to avoid." Right. That should be the real purpose of the internet, not. These fake, uh, you know, one of the best posts I had is an iceberg above the water. It's like this is what someone's, uh, the top is like this is what someone thinks they are online and below is what the real, what's really going on. Right. So don't always believe what you see there. You can't. You can't. Everyone's got problems. Everyone's dealing with something. You know, right. people just don't talk about it. So stay focused, right? The funny thing is, is that if people did show their losses or show when they made a mistake and take the ownership like this book, it, it makes them a better leader. In Even on social media, it makes people that follow you, trust you more, enjoy your content more. And so every time they hide, they think they're hiding something that will be a flaw, but it actually would add to them so much. And yeah. That's what he talks about with like when he owned it, his platoon, whatever you call it. What did you, th- what did you think as a, as a dunker, right? For, you know, as far as your, your journey, right? You have a very unique journey. Like, are there any principles here that you're like, this is, this is directly help what I'm doing? Definitely. I see like, uh, it's kind of strange because a lot of rims are not regulation and it's only like two inches low, which I mention all the time. And I put that in every single one of my videos because, um, I see people that don't do that. And I've always, I'm just my biggest critic as well, but it's just when I make a mistake or I did something wrong I don't just focus on what uh, I did right or the goals I'm setting. It's finding what I could work on and continuing to work on that um, and owning it when I f- lost a goal because I post so much. You're super transparent yeah, about that. So yeah. I even go out of my way. Like Some things I post, I'm like my, like I said, big, biggest credit. I'll talk about something like I had a goal, I set a goal, and people don't remember that. I post so much that they have a million accounts they're following, but to me, it's like I set out this goal, and then I'll bring up why I failed, and it's actually helpful because when when I was trying to dunk and I see people that they would post, they jump this high, and a couple months later, they jump way higher. You have no clue what happened in between, and that's literally how I built my whole platform is answering those questions, so whenever I have a goal that I failed, is like everything I learned... I talk about because then in the end, my content now, like when I'm jumping my highest and doing my best, it was so many years, all those people that followed me and I talked about all the things that happened and all the fails I made, it makes the win even better. So it's, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of the ownership and I tried so many things. I even tried stand-up comedy, bombed on that, but that's something that sucks. But if when you own it, it, it made, that was, that's a great example actually. I tried the stand-up comedy, failed, yeah. bombed, brought it up. And posting about that, I had one of the biggest 
reactions of people actually taking action on things that they were scared to do because mm-hmm. I was a leader in that area. I actually did it. I filmed it and posted it online <laughs> and made fun of myself doing it. Um, and so, so many people reached out after that saying that they tried this at their school or they talked to somebody or they tried something or posted something. And it was just like one of the biggest signs that when you lead and you do something, it, it makes the biggest difference. Yeah. Leading by example. Draw attention to your failures and you know, that you, you do, you, you learn more yourself by owning it, but you also let everyone else learn. Inspires people. You didn't do, you know, I, I made a mistake. It didn't work. Right. Um, that's I mean, I, what I like about you, Steve, a lot of times is you also post pictures of videos of dunks that don't go well, that, yeah. don't, that don't make it. Right. And that's the reality of the work. Um, you know, so in, in the book, when they go out and do a mission and they're successful, they did hundreds of missions. They go out and do, do a mission and then they come back and they have to, like, sustain victory. There's always something else going on. And what I love um, about because I've had this problem my whole life. I was always an intermediary between a company and distribution. I was like, I was a local franchise. Uh, kind of like, a, you know, Domino's would sell pizzas locally and Domino's corporate would give them things to say and then the, the people that are on the ground would have to deliver the pizzas with these new rules or a new flavor and the, the, they might say, well, well that no one likes it. You know, why'd they change the flavor? And then the, the, the corporate, you know, they're probably up, up here going off of all these studies and tests. They made a change, but they didn't communicate it down. And then no one down here knows. So it's about owning the, the communication up and down. Mm-hmm. So when the company would make a change in compensation, for instance, and, you know, when you make a change in compensation, you're going to have an adjustment to your pay. People want to know why. Yeah. Right. And if you don't know why as a leader, you got to ask why. And then you got to connect those dots so everybody's on the same team. Yeah. And that's a big part of, uh, you know, I think a big part of, of owning um, your leadership role is managing who's above you and who's below you. There's always going to be someone above you and always someone below you. There's something like it, it's, it's a good thing to keep in mind. Um, and, and they mention this in the book. Like, you might be frustrated with what's coming down at you from the top, or you might be frustrated with someone, quote unquote, below you not doing what you want as you asked. And you have to ask yourself the simple question, do you think either of those two want the company to fail? Do you think either of them have bad intentions? Mm-hmm. Of course not. No. Everyone wants the same thing, right? It's just a communication thing. Right. So it's maybe it's talking to the, the higher-ups and saying, look, this is what's going on. This is, how, this is our battle down here. This is what we're seeing down here. Maybe you're not aware of that. Or it's talking to the people, um, you know, the, the people that work for you saying, look, I know you're frustrated, but there's a reason. Here's the, the rationale. Here's the motive. Um, and, you know, communication's everything. Oh, it's, it is. I mean, the, in the book, they talk about the dichotomy of different things. He talks about the dichotomy of ownership uh, you know, taking on too much of the blame for yeah. something that someone else might have done wrong. And then there's also the dichotomy of leadership, you know, being too dictatorial and too inflexible versus being way too flexible. And those are all a delicate balance because when you have bad communication, what happens almost invariably is you're going to have people pissing and moaning and complaining. Right. And when that happens, you're going to have, you got a cancer. And you as a leader have to, have to resolve that. Right, and you either resolve it by cutting away, or letting it play out. And those—that's actually a principle in here. You know, decisiveness versus uncertainty. You know, do you let it play out? Do you let it? Let it? You know, do you cut away? Right. Decisions are difficult sometimes. You got to make them. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Um, And there's never a right time, right? There's never a right time to do a difficult thing. So you got to have the courage to do that. Yeah. The uh, in the in, in they talk about. When they're in a corporate in setting, they had a, a couple technical leaders in a company they were advising, and they were both jockeying for a lead dog position, creating a lot of problems. And they were both bantering that they'd leave if they didn't get the position. And the CEO's kind of troubled because things were going well. The sales were at record level. And Jocko recommended, uh, he said, well, she didn't know who to fire. She's going to let it play out. He says, well, have you considered just firing them both? Because neither of them are, you know, are uh, good leaders right now. Right. They're leaders in the wrong way, and uh, I guess they did. And then, because when you fire someone, you create 
another form of leadership. You know, they, they, you take charge. Everyone so a message. takes attention, yeah. It's, uh, it's not what you say, it's what you tolerate, right? Oh, my God, yeah. That's right. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I guarantee you those uprisings became less and less in that company. Um, but what do you think? You got any questions, Steve, yeah, or any texts that came in? Yeah, I got a couple of texts, but I, I just wanted to mention this to T. Didn't you mention that everybody loves when someone gets whacked? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they do. <laughs> well, because they know people that work for you, if you have a, a, a group that you're responsible for and someone's not performing or someone's not a lot of fun and, it's get, and, it, and it ripples up to you, because that information doesn't go up very well. It comes down fast and quick, but it doesn't go back to leadership. It, by the time it gets to you, they're already waiting on you to fire them. So when someone gets whacked, everyone's like, yeah, finally, great. Right. It's always a good message. Assuming they were a clown or not productive or not a team player. Well, who got fired that didn't deserve it? Well, over there's the years? layoffs. Well, that's different. I'm talking about whack. You're like, you, <laughs> you go in and whack somebody. Like, you got to go. The good news is you don't have to come to work tomorrow. Right. Right? right. Goodbye. You're done. All right. It's over. So I got a few texts, great questions. Um, by the way, if you wanted to text in, call in, uh, the number is 754-273-6069, and we will answer it here on the podcast. Um, similar to what you were saying, I think you kind of answered this with that, with that uh, dichotomy, but it says, you guys mentioned in other episodes cutting away from people and changing environments. How do you know when it's time to cut away from a situation or take ownership of it? Um. Yeah, so I know Jocko would say wholeheartedly you take ownership, period. That's that's mm-hmm. what you do. It doesn't matter where you are in a hierarchy or an organization, you're leading. You're leading yourself, and by default, you're leading others, whether it's directly or by example. Right. Um, you know, and with regard to cutting away, like you cut when you have to cut. I think we were just talking about that. Like it's never, ever, ever easy. I'm sure. Oh yeah. In the book, right. The, the CEO was really struggling with that decision to, right. to whack, to whack. <laughs> um, you know, they, it was cause you, you see the downside and there is, it's hard right. to pull, look past the emotion and say, Oh, but over the horizon, people aren't going to have to be around these two dirt bags and it's going to be smooth sailing. Yeah. Uh, that's the challenge, but never easy. Just gotta do it. Act on instinct. Yeah, the you know when someone's gotta go, when something's gotta go, or someone you you already know, like let's go into real world instead of going after like a corporate environment. Like you're hanging around with the wrong people, you have the wrong habits. They're not serving you. You're not in the right physical environment. Maybe you're not even doing something you like. Yeah, decisions need to be made. You need to cut away. Now, if you cut everything out and you're unable to support yourself while you recreate yourself, that's a problem too. So you got to go, I think in this book he talked about uh, prioritize and execute. You know what's got to go. You make the decisions, the hard decisions that are going to serve you, and then you build a plan one at a time, one little thing at a time. So on that point real quick, because I, I, and I know the answer to this, it's come up again and again and again, but I think it's worth deliberating. Like I know what I would say when people talk about doing what we did. Or it's right. making that leap and completely cutting away versus being more methodical, right? There's all the middle ground tends to be where you want to be in the real right. world. You want little pieces of both. Uh, but I found myself in a situation where I had no choice. I gave myself no options. It was like, dude, your back is now against the wall. Right. And if you don't figure it out, you're effed. It's over. Right. And, and because of that, I was able to succeed, but I find myself when people ask me that question, I get asked it a lot. You know, Eddie, should I just pack up? Should I leave everything? Should I? I have a hard time saying yes. I, I, I say be more methodical in your approach. Yes, do that. Like move towards that. Make it a plan and starting now, s- drive towards it. But be methodical. Do you think if you said yes, do it, do you think they'd do it? I don't know. I don't know. They already made a decision not to do it by asking you, right? I mean, maybe one out of 100 will actually, if you said, you know what, you should do it. The, the problem a lot of people have is they don't accurately do that equation. They say, I'm going to quit my job, right? I think we went over this you know, with, the, with, with people that wanted to move to Florida. We were talking about a, a couple that wants to re- move to Florida. So quit your job, retire early, right? So you have 100% of your, your income gone, Right? And then you come to Florida where expenses are less and you don't make 100% of your income, but you're 200% more happy, but expenses are less. You get, maybe you get a part-time job, all right? And you start to build an environment 
and you make a, com- a real comparison because everyone's always goes worst case scenario, gloom and doom. Like I'm gonna quit my job, I'm gonna lose a job that I have and I don't like. I'm gonna do something I don't know whether or not it'll work. Right. And if it doesn't work, I'm gonna be unemployed forever and homeless. That's just so ridiculously unrealistic. <laughs> You think of yourself yeah. sitting outside Macy's yeah. begging for change. Of course. I mean, I could sell insurance with, you know, in my underwear from a, a, a payphone and make a good living. Yeah. I could flip eggs. That'd be a good reality show, yeah. TV show. I could do, this, yeah. I could do uh, it. I'm pretty sure I could make I'm, a I, I believe you figure income <laughs> sitting I believe you. on a lawn chair in front of a payphone if one exists. With I don't a, believe list. I have to try it. I'll do it. I'll show <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, prove it. I could do it. <laughs> I'm very convincing. Uh, but... The dichotomy of decisiveness and uncertainty. You know what? If you're young, I'd, I'd, I'd err on the side of being risky. If you're older and you got responsibilities, that's a whole other matter. You have other people that are relying on you. That's it, The situation always dictates what you do. It's like your investments. Yeah. But someone asked my point being, and I, and I don't know, like if someone's asking your advice, I think they've already made the decision. That's interesting that you say that. Yeah. That didn't even cross my mind, right? Yeah. My, my thought process was like, it worked for me because for the first time in my life, I didn't have a safety net and that was everything. But it's almost a similar thought process. I'm thinking in their shoes. I'm like, well, what if I tell them to do what I did and they end up outside Macy's begging <laughs> for change? No, like, that's they'll terrible. be living in your, with you. <laughs> right. They'll want to live with you. But and, the, and also you'll own part of their success. You'll take ownership in their success. And who wants to do that? Right. Really. Um, you gotta be careful with that. That's a difficult position to put somebody in. We get those. I get the question all the time. People want to move out of, out of New England. I love New England, and I still go back there regularly. I just don't want to live there anymore. I right. live here. I do something else. And there was a whole algorithm that was that was a, a series of, of, of failed attempts, and, and you know, over time, it's working a little bit, almost a lot of it. But it never would have happened if you don't make that first decision. Yeah. Like the first sale. Every time you make your first sale, it's always the hardest one. The second one's hard, and then they get easier. It's the same thing with a hard decision. You quit your job, right? You pack your car up. You come somewhere else. You start a new career. So you're learning. You got new excitement. You're creating new friends. It's really interesting. And I think that's the message, right? Do one thing every day. Right. Like just get a little bit. I mean, create momentum because it it picks up quickly, yep. and when you start feeling that that pressure sort of burning underneath everything, it makes that jump a little bit easy, it, a little bit more intuitive to the point where you're not texting a stranger and asking them and you're like, this is the right thing. Like, I got to do this. Or you uh, can read, uh, I'm, I'm dabbling into Seneca now, you know, the shortness of life. Think about it. You got to do the same thing stoic. for the rest of your life. <laughs> let's, let's call it, let's be a real stoic, you know, see things as they really are. Right. All right. Are you really not employable? If you think you can do something, can you do it? Will you do it? Will you try? Is it worth to try? The opposite of that not trying is your life. And if you don't like your life, um, my coaching would be big mistake, little mistake is the big mistake is you could have done it but didn't and lived your life, a very short life as you'll find out one day. Um, the little mistake is maybe you did it, you failed, you learned some things, you kind of rerouted yourself, came back with new ideas and did something different. Right. Could be completely different than what you thought you were going to depart from and go to. Beautiful. Another question? When it comes to creating a business, it's beneficial to create a team that is strong where you're weak. How do you know if you should be the leader of your team or hire a leader to run your team and employ your vision? Um, one more time? Sure. <laughs> Tough question. When it comes to creating a business, it's ben- beneficial to create a team beneficial. where that it's strong where you're weak. How do you know if you should be the leader in your business or hire a leader to help run your company and employ your vision? I'll answer this how I want to answer it. <laughs> I think this is going to be a short answer. Yeah, yeah. Partner, I mean, I, I, think, uh, I think you partner with people that have skill sets that are, you know, I think he says strong where you are weak. Um, everyone's got their strengths and you want to surround yourself with people that um, are good at the things you're not. I mean, that's how you create winning dichotomy. That's mm-hmm. how you create uh, momentum and you grow faster. You can scale. Um, and also you don't have to spend time on the things that um, you don't like, you don't enjoy, you're not good at. You can focus just on what you're good at. Like the understanding that is leadership. 
Right. Don't you think? Like to to lead yourself is to look yourself in the mirror and say, Eddie, this is what you're good at. This is what you excel. This is what you love to do. It's what the data shows. It's where your success is. Let's go all in there. And let's backfill the other places with the amazing people that are good at those those things. That's that's leadership, and that's hard to do, and a lot of people don't do that. And that's just time by yourself, thinking, reflecting, and, and looking around you. It's being cognizant of reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that in itself, I would answer that as it is leadership. Part two is then surrounding yourself, partnering with people that you know will elevate you. I mean, I'll, I'll, my initial comment is um, I'm taken back by the last part where someone else is going to be running your vision. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Like if you're, if you're, if you have a vision, you were the architect of that vision, who in the world's better to lead that than you? Is that what the question says? Can so, yeah. The, the very end, someone runs my business. Run your company and employ your vision. So I think they're kind of saying. Maybe they're saying sell it. Like sell yeah. a company? Well, that's different. But the but, it, but if you have the vision, like I, I see this a lot. People have a really good idea. They kind of want to be behind the scenes. They don't have the courage to put themselves out there. Like mm. that was to cover and move, you know. I'm going to I'm going to put myself out there. Hopefully you have people in your life, your team that's going to back you up while you're out there acting crazy and trying new things and being the purple cow, right? That's right. Oh, Seth Godin says you're driving down the street and you see all these cows, you never stop. Right? Until you see a purple one, you're like, "Oh my god, a purple cow. I'm going to stop, take a picture of it." Um, so purple cows uh, create a lot of attention. Not all not all of it's a lot of fun, but if you're a leader and you created a vision, and, you know, I think the question says, do you hire your, someone to run your, your vision and your leadership? Maybe you didn't say it exactly like that, but my point is you need to have a leading role in running your vision, and you need to, my coaching would be really be real about your team members, and if you can't do something or you don't want to do something or you don't enjoy doing something, get someone who does enjoy that and build that, that team. Like right. Eddie said, it's still taking ownership of what you can do and what you can't do. So it's still leadership. If you work on your weaknesses, you're going to have strong weaknesses. One more? If you work on your weaknesses, you will have strong weaknesses. I like that. All right, one more? Yep. If, if you, you work take... on your weaknesses, you'll have strong weaknesses. I'm like, what is going on right now? This is like a glitch. <laughs> um, so <laughs> one time we used to do these videos before we had a... Uh, a teleprompter, and the guy would read. He, he was perfect off a teleprompter, so we'd put in, "and I am a dork." Yeah, he'd, he'd get to dork before he knew he knew it was. Uh, That's like um, a anchorman. Yeah, it was exactly that. We're doing it too. We had so much fun with that. Um, That's awesome. If you take ownership for everything that happens, can you hurt the growth of others who need to learn from those mistakes? So I guess if you are the leader and you're constantly taking ownership, will your team suffer because they're not learning from those mistakes? Thoughts on that. I mean, there's a couple couple issues there. I mean, if, if they, I mean, I, I guess it's a dichotomy. Of course, it was the end of the end of the, the the dichotomy of a lot of these principles is what launched their next book. You know, where things could be one doing something too far and not having a balance. I think they caught it about balance. If your team can take chances and you know that you're going to cover them mm-hmm. and own it, you know, with whoever they can get fired from, that's healthy. If, yeah. it, if it happens on an ongoing basis, that's that's toxic. Right. Um, and no one learns. Like I think uh, when someone does something wrong and you say, well, I'll call myself out because I must have trained you badly because you didn't know a script. Mm-hmm. So let's retrain on the script to make sure it's done right, and here's your script. Um, and then now if they continue not to learn it, which is almost always the case, by the way, <laughs> we teach the script pretty well, and they don't learn the script, um, then you then got to take the action. So that's my point. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I think the only thing I'd add is is taking ownership is not um, simply saying, this is my fault, take care, I'll see you guys tomorrow, but it puts the onus on the leader. You know what's weird? I've said onus yeah, like I three times onus. in my life, it and mean? it's been on this podcast what's every single time. Is that like your old face? Like responsi- <laughs> it's like responsibility. <laughs> taking, um, it puts the... Onus. Yeah, yeah. The pressure, the pressure, uh, the, the the blame. Yeah, yeah. I'm Responsibility. Sorry, gotcha. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a real word. <laughs> it's a real word. It's out there. I just it's the things that I say sometimes. Like I would never say that in a conversation ever. Um, but anyway, so it, it it puts the onus on the leader uh, to not just 
say this is my fault and beat it for the day, but to like go down and, and help uh, everyone else succeed, put them in a position to win and, and arrange things so that next time that situation plays out, you know, there's a different ending. There's a different result. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's counterproductive. I think it's the opposite. I think it empowers the people around you because you're giving them the tools, the knowledge, and the expertise to be better. Mm-hmm. And so as one unit, because you took ownership, because you said, this is my problem, I need to fix it, and I'm going to fix it by helping you, 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 and making everything clear, um, you know, you're, you're putting everyone in a situation to win. I agree. If you have a team and there's a member of the team that's not performing, the other team members know that. And what happens is they want you to do something as a leader. They're watching you. You're always being interviewed, right? They're watching you what you're going to do. Now, it's perfectly fine to take ownership once or twice maybe, but if there's a weak team member that's making those mistakes, they need to be dealt with. They need to be handled or, or uh, you need to cut away. And that's, uh, that's leadership too because the others are watching Someone's fault. It's always someone's fault. Mm-hmm. Let's face it. Like nothing just kind of manufactures. Once in a while, it's two, two or three things. But you can always get to ground zero, right? There was a fire. There was a, a, a place where it started, right? What do they call it? The accelerant. Like that's where the fire started. So as a leader, you should know where that is. If you know your business, know your team, that, that, that's where it started. Who's to blame? If you say, I'm to blame, I'm the leader in phase one. I think that's okay unless it's flagrant because the other team's looking at you as a leader to see how you're going to handle it. You're going to train, you're going to handle it, or you're going to disconnect from it. Talk about the, maybe to wrap it up, we talk about that story with the buds, how there's no bad teams, only bad leaders. Because that was a really good story in the book. Boats. The boats, yeah. Boat crew two Uh, and six. Boat crew two and six. So underwater, buds underwater demolition training. I I still don't know what the S is. Basic underwater demolition Slash seal. Uh, anyway, there's there's uh, they do these things where they take in Coronado, California. They have these little rafts, six teams. Each team has a certain amount of people. I don't remember the number and and a boat captain. Um, and they go out and they race out into the surf, you know, over the waves, and they come back. And the people, you know, in charge of uh, the training, they're looking to see who's winning. They're analyzing how these teams are working together. They're looking at who's leading and how they're leading each of these rafts. And what they noticed was Boat Crew 2 kept winning again and again and again. Boat Crew 6 kept losing. And so the people putting it together came together and they thought, hey, what would happen if we took just the Boat Crew leader from Team 2 and Team 6, the best and the worst boats, and switched them? And uh, what would the result be? And they did that, and what they found was by simply switching Boat 2's leader into Boat 6, Boat 6 now started winning. And they went from last to first. And as they continued racing, they, it was basically back and forth between 2 and 6. So what you saw was a complete turnaround. Mm-hmm. Nothing changes. No, no personnel except the leader um, and the, you know, the belief, the systems, the uh, empowerment because of that particular individual changed the entire outcome of, of uh, the race. Yep. The, so. the owner, you know, the, the leader in boat crew six may have been, when he was losing, by, by the way, when you lose, you get beat on. That was another, that was the, <laughs> right. the prize was you get beat on. Uh, you know, you got to do extra stuff. And they're already up all night so it's i guess it's torture and then the leader could say well i got the wrong crew this isn't fair you know i have the the slowest runners and if he and it seems like when the the team switched like it's like when a when a coach or a or or a key player like a quarterback changes teams a lot of times the team's like oh wow we got a new leader because the quarterback's usually the leader right and the team plays differently they have new belief new hope the leader comes in controls the situation um, but that's a big, I think, a big part of, of change. Yep. You know, sometimes change is the injection that, a, uh, you know, that an organization needs or a leader needs is just a change. Because I think the story goes that the Boat Cruise 6 leader also did well. Did, what became, they both became better leaders for what the change was. Maybe just the epiphany, like for yeah. the one that was bad at first, understanding and... Yeah, the team was probably teaching, and you know they're 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 sharing ideas. They're growing as an organization. Because keep in mind, the, the the country was safer because all those people became better. Yeah, the leader that was not doing well 
improved and had better better skills and ability. The team that was you know the bad team had, had you know started getting self esteem and momentum. So everyone was better for it because they thought outside the box a little bit at every level. Like you can have a a teacher come in, test scores go way up, yeah. right? Like you said, quarterback comes in, team changes. National level leader comes in, economy starts soaring. It's it's the more than what you're getting uh, at the face value, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's belief, it's programs, it's all that stuff uh, that manifests into greatness. And that's such a cool way to put it, such a cool way to articulate it because it's simple and it's clear. Boats, I mean, you, racing, one finish line, you can't mix that up. Right. It, it really highlight the power of one person um, inspiring others. It was amazing. Like yeah, it. maybe leadership is intrinsic, like the placebo effect. You know, was it, did they just believe now where they didn't, they didn't, if they lost the first race, maybe they said, oh, I don't believe anymore. Then they lost and lost and lost. Now they started to believe they were losers. And then the switch, like yeah. just that swap, like you, uh, it's a good lesson in life. If things aren't working for you, that's why the change of environment, change of relationships, change of careers, change of anything uh, could actually fuel like a recreation, could fuel a whole new uh you know, infusion of life. Yeah. Because my, my mentor told me this with an organization. He says there's something called an injection, which is like a burst, like a shot's an injection, and then you got a transfusion, which I had 17 of them, by the way. 17 transfusions or I'd be dead, but because my platelets were so low, I had to get new blood into me. But that was an infusion. That was a permanent transition versus mm. just a boost. Mm. Sometimes you need an injection. Sometimes you need an infusion. Both are important, but you gotta, the situation uh, manages that. You know, the situation always rules. We did that in college, seat races too. I probably could have mentioned that, but I didn't. Like we have like a coxswain uh, in, when we were crew, in crew, had two races mm-hmm. or two boats racing, and the coach would come in and either switch out people in a certain seat or he'd switch out the the coxswain that runs the and the results were always wildly different. Yeah, yeah. There's a famous study uh, that I that I read. It was. Um, Two groups of Asian women took tests um, versus uh, men, mm-hmm. Asian women. And the first, and the first group was told that women aren't as good at math as men are. The men won. The second group, and these were all people of similar demographic, the second group was told that Asians are better at math than Americans, and the Asian women won. Really? Yeah. It's power of belief, power of hope. It's pretty cool. I love that study. So, um, want to let them know what's on tap for next week? Yeah. Brian Johnson recommends, he's the one who uh, does Philosopher's Notes. He's curated over 500 books, and I, I consider him an extreme authority. He talks about the tools as his number one book of all 500 that he's, that he's curated uh, by Phil Stutz. And it's Transforming Your Problems into Courage, Confidence, and Creativity. So I'm interested and excited to curate the tools with you. And my partner, Eddie Pernero. Be a good one to read. All right. So, see you guys next week. All right, man.